Uh, one of the things that jumped out to me from this morning that uh, God was speaking concerning was this concept of advance. And I felt like the Lord just wanted us to open up that subject for a while and then we'll just see where the Lord takes us. But if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Genesis 37, if you would. There are a few people that have been highlighted to me, especially in this season. One of them is Daniel. One of them is Joseph. Joseph is obviously a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's just so much in his life and the narrative of his life that we could learn. And uh, Genesis 37 We'll start at the, at the, in verse two. Uh, this Joseph being 17, I'm reading out the New King James. This Joseph uh, being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brothers. That's awesome. The future prime minister of a nation is feeding flock. <laughs> and the lad was with the sons of Billah and the sons of Zilpha and his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him, uh, loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. Every time I read that, I think to myself, I would have just stopped at one. <laughs> they were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his father said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or, sh you ha sh or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated even more for his dreams and his words. Notice that's, that's a really interesting thing that, that gives us insight there, his dreams and his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers. And he said, look, I have dreamed another dream. This time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told, <laughs> he likes telling his dreams. So he told it to his father and his brothers and the father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come down to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now there's a number of things that often I focus on here, but I believe the Lord is focusing on tonight. Uh, something particular here in this narrative. And obviously, Joseph has a dream from God. And one of the first things you notice about him, uh, the, the reason I read verse two, is because you see that he brought a bad report to his father about his brothers. The reason I point that out is uh, you, you have to realize, this is really important, as a believer, you can say something... That, you can say something that is true, but be incorrect in saying it. Yeah. Like that person's a gossiper, and it's absolutely true, but it is not your place to articulate that. So Remember, words carry spirits, so in their gossip, you are actually adding to the spiritual dimension that will keep them gossiping. So obviously he's got a little immaturity, but here, here's the beauty of the Lord. <laughs> God is pretty beyond genius level. 
He calls weak people who need upgrades and he gives them great purpose and great dreams and he doesn't call them according to where they're stationed in their immaturity at that point. He calls them to where he's taking them. And you'll notice the very next line is that his father favored him. Well, let's go back to the dream for a minute here or at least a moment. And it's this, that asks this very simple question. It's this, who gave God that dream? Okay, it's not a trick question at all. I don't, I don't do trick questions. Who gave God, oh, excuse me, who gave, I, I said it wrong, sorry, <laughs> forgive me. It's my, it's, it's, my fifth, it's my fifth session, so forgive me, Lord. Who gave Joseph that dream? Some of you still don't want to participate. <laughs> God gave him that dream. God gave Joseph that dream. So God is the one, he is the beginning and the end. God had no beginning. He is I am. <laughs> That's at least for me. He has no beginning, he has no end, but he does understand the time and the seasons he's going to put people in the earth. So he's got this dream in his heart, or he's got this purpose that needs to be fulfilled in the earth during this time. He assigns that purpose and that dream to a man. So your life has been put here on purpose and assigned a dream that God saw in his heart when he was I am. Even more incredible, he says, before you were born, I knew you. I don't know how he does that, but he's God, so I guess, you know, he's, again, beyond genius level. So he's got this purpose, he's got this idea, and, and let's, let's, let's relate it to modern day, uh, the, 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 the 2020 that we live in. God has given you the privilege to live, to live in the earth during COVID-19 pandemic. Three of you like that. You don't get to choose when you're born. But he saw something in you that would contribute to the advancement of his purposes in the earth during a pandemic. And you'll notice, back to verse 8, and his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. I believe that this is an indication, and I believe the narrative of, of the story that we read about him in Scripture plays this out, that when Joseph, at 17 years old, gets this dream from God, which is a word from God, a, a word for God for his life that defines his purpose, he goes, he goes, I don't know what's gonna, I don't know the circumstances of my life. I don't know what's going to happen from this day forward because he didn't. Here's the brilliant, I love this about this dream. God doesn't ever tell him about the adversity he's about to face. He's funny like that. The reason he operates like that is because he does not want you to be fine by adversity, but by the words he's given you to navigate the season. 
because believers do not operate from the intellect and the soul. They operate by revelation. That's one of the first things the Lord told me as we kind of entered this. I still remember that Saturday morning. You know, I actually think I was supposed to be coming to Ohio. You know, everything's getting shut down and I was supposed to go to Europe the next week. Definitely not going there. God, what would you have to say to me? He said, first, number one, number one, this plays out in the life of Joseph. What the enemy is doing doesn't change God's purpose for the earth. So review the prophetic record, review your words, review your revelation because that's your currency in this season. And then this just welled up on the inside of me. I got it written in my journal about three, four, five, six times. Okay, God, I know you. I'm your friend and I do not want to just survive whatever's taking place right now. I'm going to believe you to thrive. Amen. He's got this dream that he gets, and he comes into agreement with his dream. You'll notice this, that on the outside, there is not anything about Joseph's circumstances that changes just because he's got a dream from God. But that dream is defining his world. The reason I say that is that dream is a word from God that has to have a willing heart to be received. And that willing heart has to define the rest of the world no matter what circumstances he's facing. Talked about advance. Really important to understand when we're talking about the subject of advance that, and I, I said it a bunch of times, advance, advance, there's no backwards in the kingdom, but just because circumstances are contrary to the advance God has told you he's going to give you doesn't mean that God has left you and doesn't mean that you didn't hear correctly from the Lord. But the most important beginning place of this process he's about to walk through is this, is that he said yes to God, and he actually said it out of his mouth, and he captured the seed of a different world that was in his heart, and as it was in his heart, and as he operated according to integrous, uh, godly principles, God allowed that dream to happen. Another thing about that dream that it really is, is, is worth noting is there is no way, there's no way, I mean, Joseph's family told him, <laughs> there is no way his purpose in life is ever going to be fulfilled unless the Lord does it. You, you, you can't go, okay, okay I'm going to go to like Egypt University, get the right internship. God's purpose for your life is something that you cannot orchestrate in the arm of your own soul. So let's go back to this point here. It's extremely important as God speaks to us that we receive what he is saying and we receive it by faith. And as we receive it by faith, we begin to understand it could happen. Here's a, here's a, um, a, a principle here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, 
but it's, it's, it's inspired. It's, it's good stuff. Now, faith is the substance, this is verse 1, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Paul later, or he later gives language to us. He goes, it's not what you see that is eternal. He goes, the things that you see right now, they're subject to change. But the eternal things cannot be changed. Right? Is that what he said? Okay. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, this is a really, 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 really important principle of faith. So listen to me, Linda. By faith, we understand. By faith, we understand. It doesn't say we have understanding that gives us faith. It says faith causes us to understand. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Here it is right here. I said it this morning. So that the things, the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. So here's what happens. You're walking with the Lord or you're, you have a dream, you have a prophetic word, you have some insight, might be small. It is so vitally important to go, yes, Lord, I receive your word. I don't even know how that will ever happen. My mind is having a lot of trouble putting its mind around doing that, but I receive your word, and I begin to declare your word, and I say it's true. It is not only true, it will take place in my life. What do you begin to do? That word comes to you from a different world called heaven. It goes in your heart, and it goes like a seed in your heart. And that seed is receptive, that seed goes in when there's a yes, and you cultivate that seed on the inside of you, and you begin to define your world by your belief system, not by what you see. It's, it's a truth that Jesus consistently emphasized in his teachings. Good teacher, John 6. What do we need to do to do the works of God? How do we work out our purpose? He did not give the five steps to your purpose. Number one, because it's not intellectual. Number two, because it's probably never going to take place the way you think in your mind it will. That's what he says. What do we need to do? It's a brilliant question, and I love it too because he answers it and he doesn't challenge the premise of it. And by answering the question, he is, he's, in my opinion, legitimizing that their question has a possibility of being answered. He said, this is the work of God. What does he say? That you believe. Believe is pistos, interchangeable for faith, trust, and belief system. So this is the work of God, that you believe correctly, and when you believe correctly, you act correctly. It, 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 it defined how he taught them. He was trying to get them to see a certain truth. How, how do you, like, because this is the world he lived from. This is the world he modeled. How do you look at 
thousands of people and he's operating like a man. You gotta remember, he's, he's, he's fully God, fully man. That is the humility of Jesus. Like I think about that and think like, why, you know, like this is, he is fully God, fully man. The, he actually created the world in which he entered through the, through the word. He was literally the thing that created it. The word became flesh. And he, the cross of Jesus was of no benefit to Jesus. There's no benefit to Jesus. Don't think he needed you. Because God needs nothing outside of himself. But he chooses to open everything he is to weak people. He's teaching because he's moved with compassion. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, you know, they, they're like, they get really smart with Jesus. They go, hey, why don't you send the people away? It's late. There's no IHOP around here. The nearest one is like 50 minutes away. Waffle House is at least an hour away. Send them away, you know, because they're hungry. You can see it, Jesus. And he goes, you feed them. Because from the world that he's living in, it has unlimited supply. He's just trying to capture how the Father's gonna bring that unlimited supply to the earth in that moment. That's the beauty, because he's all wrapped around relationships. This is the work of God that you believe, that you trust in him who he sent. If you, what, trust, you'll do the works I'm doing in greater works. It was a constant theme, Mark 16. These signs will follow them, what, that believe. If you believe, to the woman, John 11, if you believe, what, you'll see the glory of God. Constantly was challenging that belief system. He was constantly challenging the lenses that clouded the correct belief system. And then he tells Nicodemus in John, the third chapter Unless one is born again, you cannot what? See the kingdom of God. That's why there can be goodness in an ungenerated person, but they are completely blind and lost from anything practical without getting born again. A lot of people in our culture today, because it's like, it's very popular to be spiritual. We're all spiritual people. It's true. It's actually a true principle. We are spiritual people. They like the positivity. They like a lot of the fruits of the kingdom. But the offensive thing to humanity is this. You were not created to be independent. Truth cannot be found in yourself. It can only be found in the man, God, who walked the earth that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's where it becomes offensive because you lose, the, the world system is built on trying to control its own destiny. It was the lie in the garden. What does he tell them? 
This hasn't, the, the lie hasn't changed. He just repackages it in a different way. If you eat of that tree, you'll know good and evil, what? And you shall be like God. It's the same lie he believed that keeps him perpetually tormented. It's this. He was a beautiful creature. I believe when it says he's, he's got worship instruments on the inside of him. And I believe he's standing on the earth leading this worship and thinks to himself, this is really awesome. I want this for myself. What did he want? He wanted the one place reserved for God. So he tells them, he said, listen, choose that and then you'll be like God. You get to choose what's right and wrong in the earth. How do you see this manifested? You do your truth. Just repackaged a different way. And it's true there. Again, there's these little truths that are twisted because that's what the enemy does. He will twist biblical truth to suit the, 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 the putting man at the center of something. Do your truth. You know, if what you do doesn't hurt anybody, you know, go do it. It's evil. And at the heart of it is what you are. You are a God unto yourself. You're worshiping yourself. You're worshiping your own idea of what you think is right and wrong. I don't know how I got on that, but it's right. It is right. So deliver yourself of this language. You do you. No, please don't do you. We're all not well off when you do you. So, so, I don't know how I cut on that. By faith, we understand. So there's an opportunity that comes when God speaks that it is so important that we respond. Look at Matthew, the 13th chapter, back there again. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus explains what happens. I encourage you to read that chapter over and over again. He gives explicit understanding of what happens when somebody hears the word of God. Matthew 13, chapter 13, verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. He's explaining, giving explanation to what happens when the word of God comes. And you have to remember, I love this. Peter tells us in his epistle, the word of God is incorruptible seed. That is a guarantee. Faith in God is a guarantee. That's how you got to see the word of God. Listen to one, man, one great man of faith. And he said, you know, somebody said to me, uh, uh, you're a great man of faith. He goes, it doesn't take a lot of faith to believe in something that's a guarantee. Matthew 13, verse 18, therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and what? Does not understand it. Faith and understanding are two connected principles in Scripture. So what he's saying is, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not receive it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. It's got this power to define your life but unless you receive it and say yes and begin to confess it, it will, be, it will be inoperative in your life. 
it played out in the ministry of Jesus. Really fascinating. He's teaching one day in his hometown. And they're like, Lord Jesus. Never heard anyone teach like that. It's got life. And then what they hear, they reason. They're like, no, it's, we know his father. Can't, he can't be that good. And it shuts down the ability of that word to take full effect in their life. I want to suggest to you that if Jesus himself came into alignment with the prophetic word over his life, how much more do we? That word will work. The prophet Micah prophesies Jesus' birth, the place it's going to be. Hundreds of years before it happens. That's why it's very, very important not to judge words in the wrong timing. They're like, he's a false prophet. And I'm not saying there's not bad words out there. Use some discernment, you know, please. That word goes into the atmosphere. Why? Because things, there's not anything that's taken place in this world that is not happening, that, that, is, that there's not anything you see taking place in the world that wasn't first spoken. Let me say that again. There's not anything taking place in this world that wasn't first spoken. And I hear believers, they tell me, I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm not really caught up in all the word stuff. I said, you should, because he said, death and life are in the power of what? Your tongue. Well, I just, I just really don't believe my words have that much power. Your belief system is defining your world. So look at Isaiah 61. The prophet is speaking. The spirit, he's referring to Jesus. Of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn in Zion, to counsel all those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for. Oh, this is so good. You should get excited about this Sunday night. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, that's, that's the prophecy over Jesus' life. Now, look at Luke, the fourth chapter. Luke, chapter four. Thank you, Lord. Verse 16, Jesus is beginning his public ministry. He's gone into the wilderness. He's fasted. And now he's come out. He's, he's, he's overcome where Adam fell. There's patterns in scripture. The place that Adam missed it, Jesus made a way. So he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, as was his customs. That means, this is fascinating to me. Jesus participated in the Judaism of his day. It's fascinating stuff. 
And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened the book and he found, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is, what's he doing? He is standing up and going, I'm that guy. And this is what God has said about me. What's happening? He is just beginning his ministry. He has not fulfilled the full measure of what those words will, will mean in the earth. Yet he is coming into alignment and he says, at the end of this, he's going to say, today, this is fulfilled in your ears. When does the purposes of God begin to be established in your life in particular areas? The moment you say yes and it comes out of your mouth, today, this is fulfilled in your ears. The moment you decide you don't have to live in debt anymore, that's when it begins. The moment you don't have to respond incorrectly to people who are always criticizing you is the moment it changes. Now, you might miss the mark a few times, and that's, that's so good. You just, you just, Lord, forgive me, blood of Jesus, keep moving on, I'm learning. Oh, oh yeah, I saw that. You know, I saw, you know, I know the enemy tries to, you know. You know, I, know, I know that person, they're going to they're gonna throw me a left hook, but I already got the right hook called the fruit of the Spirit. Yep, that's how it works. And you begin to discern patterns that take you off the path of God in your life. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable